You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. A 24-16 win over the Carolina Panthers. If that sounds familiar, it's because the exact same score last year when the Packers beat Carolina. Of course, last year, they beat a team that had Christian McCaffrey. This year, they didn't have McCaffrey. Carolina didn't. Packers still won by the same score. And thanks to some uh, good stuff that happened uh, on Sunday uh, with the Saints losing. And also, for some reason, the Rams losing to the Jets. I mean, I wow. Imagine uh, if that would have happened to us. Well, we would, we I would be. I was thinking about that. And okay, now let, let me go old timer on here. And because I know you remember this because you're getting to be an old timer yourself. Hmm. You remember when um, in 97, the Packers went to Indy and they lost to the Colts. And this was a Packers team that would play in the Super Bowl and lose to Denver, ultimately. But still, they were going to finish 13-3. and three. They were going to make to the Super Bowl, but they had a colossal stumble. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been a little earlier in the season than this. But, yeah. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I don't want to say this means that the Rams are lousy because, you know, they may, you know, have this as a wake-up call and they may be, be just fine. As it stands, though, the Packers' chance of getting – uh, the first round buy, which is only one buy this year, and the top seed, looking pretty good right now, Dave. It is. And the way I analyzed uh, or read the analysis of it is basically we have to beat the Bears and we get the one seed. I think yeah. is that pretty much the easiest way. If we, we beat Tennessee, it's not, it's not absolutely clear unless other things happen. Uh, we could lose to Tennessee, <clears throat> but we got to beat the Bears. That's basically it. We beat the Bears. Uh, so, you know, what do you do? Do you... I mean, I, I, it's always been a, a question mark is that do you sit your starters, you know, the week before, plus you get the bye. That's hurt them in previous, in, I guess, 2011. You know, they had set Rodgers at least and, and then ended up losing to the Giants. But, you know, what about if you sat some of your players against Tennessee and then go against the Bears and then you've got like a bye and a break and a, you get a bye and a, you play and then a bye and then you play. I mean, could you do something like that or... I guess the reason you wouldn't do that is if you lose to the Bears, you'll never forgive yourself. So, um, but I think that's that's the deal, right? We just have to beat the Bears and we get the one seed. Yeah, um, I was reading a lot about this on uh, Twitter uh, because there's there's viewpoints, you know, all over the place. You're kidding uh, on Twitter? I, I, well, I know it's it's remarkable. I mean, Twitter is kind of known for that. Um, <laughs> but you know, as I as I thought about it, um, I would. Um, at least the first half, even if the game was turned out to be meaningless, the, the week 17 game against the Bears. Um, yeah, you want to beat the Bears, but that's not the reason why I would you know, play my starters, at least for the first half. I think you don't want to lose rhythm and momentum. Now, you don't want to get anybody hurt either. But on the other hand, I think you do yourself more harm by you know, going into a shell. Now, it's not just because of 2011. A lot of people were saying, look what they did in 2011. You know, when they played Matt Flynn and they wound up beating Detroit, that was a 
very entertaining game. I'll say right. that much for it. Did he throw for uh, like eleven touchdowns or something like that. It was it was crazy. You know, the six thousand yards, and I think he entered the Hall of Fame that day. It, yeah. it was it was it was a pretty remarkable. Got himself a contract. Well, you know that is a good point because uh, he he did in fact get paid as a result. And you know, Matt Flynn's make a decent guy, so you know, good for him. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying that um, they lost to the Giants. Um, because they rested everybody. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. But to me, you want maybe not to play the entire game because once you bring everybody in at halftime and everyone cools down, then you, I think that's where you run the risk then of maybe increasing your injury risk. But to go through the rhythms of the week, you know, everyone practicing, everyone doing their thing, going to their meetings, the lead up to the game, you know, you play the game, you know, all that stuff, you stay in rhythm as opposed to saying we're going to do something entirely different. And, oh, by the way, then we're going to have the next week off. I, I think you, you, you do run the risk of uh, losing whatever. Um, what's a, it, it's not just rhythm. It's, it's routine. Uh, I think all of us, you know, as, as people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of out of rhythm right now, you know, because of the surgery I had the other day. And it's funny how your, your body gets used to, you know, living a certain way. You get up at a certain time, you go to bed at a certain time. You just, you know, live life in a particular, you know, kind of uh, pattern. And I think when you get out of that is when, you know, problems can creep in. So I would hope that even if things work out this week where they are able to, you know, beat Tennessee and they've got the first round wrapped up, I still think you, you do what you always do. Everything, you go ahead and play the game, but maybe you don't have your guys play the entire game. And if you have players that are hurt, you, you, you don't encourage them to play. It, like if it was a meaningful game, there's all these cases, right, where uh, guys uh, play when they maybe shouldn't, but they play because, well, it's not that bad and I'm going to play anyway. Well, those guys don't play. But your normal guys who are healthy enough to play and they would play under normal circumstances, you just you let them play at least the first half. And then you see, you know, what you can do with your backup quarterbacks. And, you know, you get, you know, A.J. Dillon gets lathered up and gets a chance to, you know, get, uh, you know, eight, ten carries or something. That's the time that you do that stuff, I think, in the second half of that game. You don't just shut everybody down like it's a preseason game. I, I just don't think that's the way to go. So you think it's like. If I take two weeks off for vacation, which I have rarely ever done, I, w- I will this month because all my vacation days piled up with this pandemic. I never took any time off or right. really ever yeah. cared to. But, you know, you take two weeks off and then you come back to the office. You're like, whoa, I, my email, like I, I, I'm just sort of out of it. And you have to have a day or two to get it. You think that's what happens with football players at the same because they I mean they do wake up probably similar time. They go into the office, probably go to the stadium. They probably work out. They take an ice bath. They probably watch film. They do all that stuff. It's just, they don't play in the game. Do you think that it really has an effect on them if they do most of the things that are the same? It's just, I mean, certainly the mental preparation probably isn't as, as intense because you, in the back of your mind, you know, you're not going to play. Right. But right. Yeah. That's exactly that's the deal. The yeah. last thing you said, I think is the key thing. I mean, everybody is that way. I mean, if you know, you're not going to do it, you don't, prepare the same way. You don't think about things the same way. You kind of, um, you know, um, I get compromise around the edges, I guess is what you might say, because you know that you're not going to play. And so you're not really going to spend a lot of time preparing and studying and maybe a stay up a little later, 
you know, you, you don't come at things in the same way because you know that you're not going to be playing that week. And, you know, maybe you don't do your normal workout because, you know, you're not going to be, be playing that week. I mean, it's, it's, it's what, it's what people do in all kinds of circumstances. And I just, I just don't think, um, in a, in a, especially when you only have 16 opportunities a year to do something, that it's a good idea to get out of whatever rhythm you're in. Uh, and I, I, really, I really would advocate strongly that the Packers, should they be lucky enough to have it settled by the end of the next week, that they don't allow themselves to get flabby and flaccid, you know, because believe me, I can tell you, you don't want to be flabby or flaccid, Dave. <laughs> well, another human flaw, though, is I'm playing, but it doesn't mean anything, so I'm not going to... I'm going to hold up a little bit. And that's when you get hurt because well, you, okay. you know, you end up, you know, pulling up short and then you end up getting hit behind or you do something weird and, and all of a sudden you pull a hamstring because you're not doing your normal. You don't want to pull up short and get hit from behind. I think we all can agree <laughs> on that. You know, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, so I, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think you raise a valid, a valid point though, that, you know, you might be doing everything, but you're not really sold out. And, you know, that can, that can cause problems as well. Uh, I think those problems um, are, less, are lesser than just kind of letting yourself uh, take essentially a working vacation um, than it is um, to go ahead and just, and, and, just, and just play the game. Um, also, too, think about it. If you knew that you were only going to play a half, but you had to play a half, you, you might go easier, but you also might tell yourself, hey, I'm only going to play a half, so I can play hard for this half because I know that at halftime, I'm going to come in and I'm going to take off my pads and I'm going to go out and three-close the second half. You know? Or if I do go out, chances are me playing are a lot reduced. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, I suppose there's arguments on both sides of this question, which is why it's interesting. And I really hope that we have to have this discussion a week from now. But it is, it is a concern of mine that in all sports, and it's not just football, it's baseball, basketball, you know, when, when you don't have anything to play for, I, I think teams get themselves in trouble because they say, well, we want to rest our guys. Well, yeah, that's good. You know, rest can be good. But I think if it's rest within the context of a uh, of, of of a of a broader plan. Now, maybe they'll say, "Yeah, we're going to rest our guys," but you know what? You're not going to be able to go away on vacation the next week. So, yeah, you're not going to play in the in week 17, but you know, but you're going to be back at work on Tuesday, even though we have a bye week coming up. So, you know, maybe they adjust that way, and they say, um, "Yeah, you won't have to play in the game." but we're going to give you all the mental reps and preparation in the following week. And we're not going to give everybody, you know, five days off like they will sometimes do in the past. And let's hope that this time around, you know, one of the assistant coaches, kids doesn't wind up in the Fox river. I I, I was going to bring that up. That would be a real plus too, I think. Yeah. That's a, that's worth a podcast. Just how, how, what really happened in the, within the walls of, of, uh, of the locker room, you know, knowing that that happened. I mean, it was, it was just like, yeah, the well, that's a different season. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about there. Well, but this I, is... I think I suspect it was Hill, it was Hillary Clinton, probably. Uh, you know, like just like she, uh, you know, killed killed that guy in the Clinton administration. She probably, you know, uh, killed that kid. Is what I'm guessing. Well, where'd that come? I you 
I must be on some serious pain meds right now. Are you good? <laughs> <laughs> you pulled well, out of nowhere, man. No, well, it's, it's it seems like she gets blamed for everything. I you know, so. Benghazi, Benghazi. You know, yeah, you know. So yeah, I, Wait, I, did I you just, say pub, I just assume pub, hmm? Benghazi is that the clown? Are we back <laughs> to that joke again? <laughs> I'll have more to say about that later, young man. <laughs> I think you. I'm sure you will. One of the greatest quite... jokes in history, and you were like stone fit. You were like a mime on the streets of Paris. <laughs> Just nothing to say whatsoever. Well, all right, we'll come back to that too. Okay. We, we uh, let's not revisit Hillary, and uh, we could maybe blame her for uh, future future <laughs> sins and future losses, possibly. But this game has got so many angles to it because Lafleur used to coach there, you know. Yeah. So does he have anything in his own? Uh, self that he wants to to win this game is it's a night game. So the Packers will have some idea of where they stand before they play the game. Um, this is a team that's playoff worthy. And what's their record? They're 10 and four and could win their division. Um, you know, so this is one of the first good teams they play in a while. So do they want to measure themselves up as a pre playoff, you know, g- uh, game to see how they, how they really do. I mean, they're hearing, man, you go anywhere on, Reddit or Twitter, everyone is talking about how Derrick Henry is going to come into Lambeau Field and just mop the floor with everybody. They got to be seeing that too. And what I wonder, on the Tennessee side, I hear they have a worse pass defense than we have a, a bad run defense, which is remarkable if that's true. I don't um, think that's possible. Is that? Yeah. I, I thought I saw from whatever stats that that's true. Well, then are, are the Tennessee fans putting together memes and all this stuff of Aaron Rodgers coming to, you know, is going to light them up? So there's a lot going on. I just feel like the Packers aren't going to want to give this game up and go into the playoffs, you know, playing their first good team a number of weeks from now and uh, and not knowing how they stand because last number of games they play were a bunch of bunch of, against a bunch of cream puffs. So there's a lot going. This this game against Tennessee has a lot of lot of depth to it, a lot of drama. There's uh, I don't really know how they're going to play it. Well, let's well, let's talk about the Carolina game um, first. And then, and then we can flip over to Tennessee. It's it's easy, you know, to just say, yeah, they won, and it's great. Um, but it was it was a difficult game for me because they came out so strong and they looked so damn good. And then I they did. They should apply the mercy rule at one point. I was yeah, like, oh, it's not right. even. This is even fair. I felt no, bad for Carolina. I almost tweeted, I feel bad for Carolina, but I did. But it 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 didn't it didn't work out that way. Um, something happened, and it almost seemed as though don't know this is true um and you know i'm all in the tank for 30 i mean i'm a i'm a jamal williams guy and it seemed like when he went out um the offense just changed they were playing those two guys in the backfield and it gave them so many options you know running and passing um they on that first drive i think they threw the ball once to somebody who wasn't a running back all right i think Tunyon, right, I think was the one guy I don't have in front of me right now. But everything else was either a handoff with great success or a pass to a back. And I thought, wow, I mean, there, I mean, Carolina does not have an answer to this. Right. And then when Williams hurt his quad, I guess it was a, a thigh injury of some kind, and he was out the rest of the game, and I think that was midway through the second quarter, that was about the time that the offense just went in the tank, and they had five consecutive punts. I mean, that was pathetic and i don't know i keep hearing these people saying about lafleur that he's a great schemer and game planner but 
when the wheels come off during the game, he's he has difficulty adjusting within the game when the plan uh, goes bad. And I've discounted that to this point uh, because these guys, you know, usually don't get to that point with you know by being helpless in, in one part of their game. But there does seem to be an increasing amount of evidence that suggests that you know they're really good uh, with their with with their plan. And you've mentioned this even in the past that they should you know uh, script all of their plays uh, because they seem to do so well on script. And then when they get off the script, they seem to they seem to struggle. And we've seen it again and again where they you know come out and they run on the field and score and they do really well. But something happens in the second half and they get you know uh, unsteady along along the way. And this it seemed to happen this time around when they, when their plan not to be able to use both of those guys in the backfield at the same time when that was no longer an option, you know, they didn't seem to have a really good response to it. Uh, maybe it's just part of the evolution of a of a of a young guy, you know, forty year old guy who's, you know, just really still learning to being a head coach. He's only in his second season, so so maybe that is what's going on here. But it was really surprising that they should be so strong and then so weak. Yeah. I'm watching the game, and so this is my reaction. I, I felt we're up 21 to three, and I, I I felt bad for Carolina, but then I also thought, you know, they showed Rogers' stats, and they showed that he had only thrown a few passes and thrown for 70 yards in like just about the first half, is if I recall this correctly. And I remember thinking, you know, that's not going to help in it with his MVP race. And what about Devonta Adams catching, you know, touchdowns in consecutive games, and you know, Tanyan leading the league, and I. And, uh, you know, three touchdowns in, in how many games in consecutive games. So they're like all these records. And I kind of I, th- I thought to myself, like, you know, I wonder if they could force a few to Devante, you know, to try to get him, you know, keep that record going. Because I, I didn't think the, the game was was in doubt at that point. Now it's just a matter of the stats. And if I thought that where all I care about is they win, I, I, I could care less about the stats. Really, I just, you know, I'd, I'd rather them win all day long. But I, I'm sure that. Rodgers and Devontae and those people want to win more too, but I'm sure they're aware of their stats. Is it possible that they, you know, when there was a run play option, that it was always a run play, run pass option. Pass, yeah. They all, you know, Rodgers had that same sort of idea because I sent you a text earlier and shoot, I don't have that available. I should pull that out. But while I look for that, um, I kind of thought that, uh, they went away from what was working. I mean, Carolina was selling out against the pass and our response was, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to run and it worked great. And then we kind of changed our philosophy, whether it would be Lafleur or it was Rogers over ruling Lafleur, Cause there's something going on. Cause how many times did they show Rogers shaking his head, looking upset, like it's someone else's fault. Right. Um, and I just wondered if, you know, there is, it, it, and this goes back to then drafting Jordan Love and why did they do that? And did, are they not on the same page? It, it felt like a game where something f- sort of broke. And I'm not exactly sure if it's LaFleur in his play calling or if it was Rodgers wanting to do something different because he's got a lot of flexibility at the line. Um, and it, it, they, they weren't able to say the run game is going to win this, this game. Let's stay with it to the end. With, that eventually kind of falls back to the passing game because that's, that's where we are. That's uh, uh, that's the kind of team we are, and that's you know Rogers is the guy, and he wants to have all the accolades. You know, is that possible? Is, is any of that make sense? Because I let me can I read you the one quote though. I did find it. 
I think um, I just I just sent it to you. I think. Oh, you, you, maybe that's right. So this is the floor <laughs> talking. I'll, I'll do one is from the floor and one is from Rogers. So the floor said uh, there were some things we were trying to chase a little bit that I can't allow us to do. I thought we we're running the ball really effective. Probably got away from the run a little bit too much there, and then so forth, so on and so forth. But then, and then Rogers said. Um, in a different quote, this is great uh, podcasting, by the way. It uh, is uh, the no, delay. No. It gives people a chance to go to the fridge. Um, <laughs> they played. They played. Uh, so now this is Rogers. So they play very soft in the secondary. I couldn't find a way to get Devonte involved a little bit more, which I think hurts some of our production. Even though we're obviously very efficient running the football, we need to keep finding ways to get Devonte involved because he's such a difference maker. So I. I, you put those two quotes together. I feel like, you know, Rogers wanted to get Devante going and despite what was working. And I think LaFleur mentioned, seems to, to kind of call that out. Am I crazy when I read those two things? Well, I hate to say it, Dave, but I don't think you're crazy uh, in this instance. Really? I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm heavily medicated at this time, but the, the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you know, when you put those together the way you did just now, um, yeah, it, it does sound exactly like Rodgers had a different view of the game post-Williams. And here, here's, here's what it, it does sound like, that um, the coach, the head coach, you know, wanted to stick with the run, but he does give some latitude and flexibility to his quarterback, who realized, well, gee, I'm, I'm without Williams now, so I need, I need to get 17 in the game. Um, and so I am going to take the pass option and I'm going to, you know, go with these bubble screens and these quick hitters to 17 and, you know, let him catch the ball and do the kinds of things 17 does. And we saw what I thought was a remarkable line from Devontae Adams, seven catches, 42 yards. I mean, that is like the kind of thing you get from a running back, you know, that kind of line, six yards, a, a, a catch. Uh, he and he looked even frustrated too that he would get the ball and was not able to do anything with it. Uh, so I'm I'm wondering, Aaron Rodgers likes him some Devonte Adams. Hey, we all do. You know, you you and I and Klaus are close personal friends with Devonte. You know, we when Devonte gets yeah. his yards, Rodgers gets his yards, right? I mean, they they kind of all go hand in hand. Devonte gets a touchdown, Rodgers gets a touchdown. I mean, it, when Aaron well, Jones runs for a touchdown, Rodgers doesn't get any stats from that. Well. It, now there is some truth in, the, in that, but I'm I'm going to give a more charitable interpretation of okay. that. Is that I? I mean, it's it's not just the stats in terms of the touchdowns or the yardage. Uh, I I think he really believes that Adams is such a weapon that you need to get him the ball in his hands, even if he gets the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's better to give him the ball in that situation and let him do something in space, then hand the ball off, um, and get, you know, two yards off tackle, you know, that I, I think in Aaron's mind and maybe in most quarterbacks minds, they like to throw the ball and they, yeah, it's nice when the running game works, it makes it easier for them. They don't get hit as much and all that stuff, but given the choice to run or pass and run pass option, they're probably going to choose the pass, especially if there's a reason like I, I don't have I don't have number 30 in the game, so let me get another weapon. Let, let me get the ball there to, um, you know, to a guy who I think can make plays and move the chains. Now, 
it helps Rodgers. Yeah, probably. It gives him some yardage. It maybe gives him a touchdown. Yeah, but I think more than anything else, I think it, it probably he believes it gives him the better chance of being successful on offense. However, in the game, I think we saw that the that the running game was giving him the better chance of winning in this most recent game. I just don't think Rodgers is wired that way to see that happen. I, I know that Brett Favre wasn't either. I remember in 2003 when he couldn't pass because he had the thumb injury and they had to hand the ball off to Amon Green all the time and mm-hmm. Green had that great season. I remember, you know, Favre saying, yeah, I've, I, I've just become a handoff guy, you know. Well, shoot, I mean, oh, that doesn't matter because you got a guy that is driving the bus here and if anything, you should be grateful and thankful that you don't have to carry the team with a bad thumb. But quarterbacks, you know, like to pass. I guess if you're if you're a hammer, you know, you want to pound the nail. And I think that's the way quarterbacks think. I sure I'm I'm the field general and all that crap, but what I really like to do is I like to throw the ball into a tight window for a you know twenty six yard gain. That's what I like to do. Yeah. And I think Rogers, I think you're you're being a little bit more charitable than I would be, certainly. I think Rogers is very aware Oops, of history and the stats. Yeah. yeah, you're a better yeah. person. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And it, but, you know, I think he's aware of, of stats. I think he's aware of all that. I, I think he I think that's important to him. And, you know, I think okay. well, when it comes I, down to it, I, I think he'd rather win than, than lose than have right. stats. But yeah. I think uh, I, I think, you know, he he wants to at that point, he wanted to get the ball to Monte. He wanted to get his he wanted to get he wanted to pass. And yeah. look, okay. it, if that's true, you would think that as a head coach, say, say LaFleur wanted to run the ball more and Rogers kept calling out of plays, you would think. That would make you frustrated as a coach, especially if you're punting and punting and punting. And the guy who's not doing what is that you're asking you to, he's shaking his head, looking at you on the, uh, in the middle of the field, right in front of all the cameras. I might be frustrating enough to go to the GM and say, I can't take this anymore. So the GM drafts a quarterback in the first round. I mean, don't you think that that like we, we don't put all that together as but all that happened. Yeah. And, yeah. and that that's a lot of that happened last year. And this year, it's all they're all buddies, and it's all yeah. great because you know it's all working fine. But is this a little example of what we saw last year, which caused, you know, the the love pick? You know, I I I don't disagree. Um, I I think that is is a real thing. I also think that they viewed this situation by picking love as a no lose. Um, either Aaron gets the message and he plays like he has been, or B. Uh, he doesn't get the message and, you know, remains being a truculent, difficult guy. And then that makes it that much easier to transition to love. Um, so it was a no-lose proposition, I think, for them. Um, and this game, uh, while, while they won, I think there, there was an example of the kind of friction we had last year where there was a, a disagreement about the best way to win uh, when – your plan was limited for some reason. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree with you, Dave. We've talked about this on the podcast for, for years that Aaron Rodgers is aware of his passer rating, his number of touchdowns. I think, and I think being MVP is really important to the guy. Now, yeah, I, I, do don't, too. I don't want to rip him, you know, because professional accolades, um, and I, I know from your own situation, you know, national recognition, and you receive some, rightly so. Um, I, of course, have never done anything in my career, but still, if I ever would get the chance to, you know, I would like that too. 
And so I'm not begrudging the guy or saying that everyone should be entirely, you know, selfless and never care about, you know, getting recognition for their achievements. But Rogers, I think, just seems to be a little more dialed into that than most. And it might be because, right, this is the guy who had to go to junior college and he had yeah. to wait four hours in the green room. And he's, oh. you know, he's got a lot of resentments. And so I think that, you know, having markers of success, you know, MVPs, records, uh, all time uh, passer rating, the lowest intercept, all that stuff, I think, matters to him more. Than it does to a lot of his a lot of his peers. I I, I don't think it matters as much to Brett Favre, because um, Brett Favre was a different a different kind of cat. I mean he he wanted to win. He wanted to play it his own way. I don't think he really cared as much about the stats. I think Aaron Rodgers does. But having said that, I I think that he went on the passing to Adams mainly as opposed to the running because I really thought it gave them the best chance of winning. I don't think the kind of passes he was looking for were the kind that were going to inflate his stats. They were the kind that were just going to keep them from having to pump the ball every three downs. Well, I think that's why he was shaking his head. I, I don't think the shaking his head was, why are you calling all these bubble screens? They're not working. I, was, I think it was, why are you making me throw bubble screens? Yeah, why don't yeah. we open this thing up right, so I can right, throw downfield? You keep giving these run pass options. Like, get let me... Let me run around and throw it down the field some. And, um, you know, LaFleur, you know, he's now, he's heading toward a, another potentially 13-3 season. Pretty soon LaFleur is going to say, you're special, I'm special. Like, I'm not taking up your... I'm a, I'm a highly successful NFL coach. <laughs> That's right. So I'm not going to take your guff. You know, I, I, I'm pushing back now. You know, I want to... And, I, you know, that quote I thought was, unless I'm, I'm completely taken out of context... Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty bold statement. We're chasing something that we shouldn't have been. What is that? What were? What, what's he referring to? What were the? Were they chasing? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I this is what this is my fear, and this is what's crazy is listening to the post game show. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're eleven and three. We got still the first round by. You know, not locked up, but you know, looking pretty good. And I mean, the talk show after the game was all negative, man. It yeah, was just man. Wow. one yeah. negative thing after the other. And I think that's what we're worried about. I'm worried about the team that goes into the playoffs and takes away Adams. And let's say the run game isn't working great. So that's, you know, what we're to win, we're going to have to throw passes to the running backs. We're going to have to throw to MVS. We're going to have to throw to some of the tight ends. Like we're going to have to get away from Devante carrying us and Jones being our number two. We might have to do a three or four or five. I just don't know if we have the ability to do that. I think Rodgers is like, oh, no, we're down. Now I got really forced it to Adams. We're down by two touchdowns. Now I got no choice but to force it to Adams. Like, if you just keep doing that, not taking what the defense is giving you, then I think that puts you at a disadvantage. And that's what makes me nervous. Yeah, well, I, I do not, again, I do not disagree with you on that. I could, I could certainly see it playing out that way. And what I found a little bit... Um, Maybe alarming is, is, is too strong of a, of a term, but after the game, uh, both uh, Lafleur and Rodgers talked also about, you know, well, they were playing a college defense against us, and it's not like you see much in the NFL, and they're, they're kind of minimizing it. And I'm thinking, well, hell, if it's a college defense, shouldn't, shouldn't you beat the hell out of us? I mean, wouldn't that make it that much simpler? And then I'm thinking, well, then if, if, if that's it, if, if that's how they were able to, you know, 
stop your offense, why wouldn't Tennessee and Chicago and everyone you play in the postseason, why wouldn't they look at the film of that and say, hey, they seem to, you know, struggle against this, you know, single high safety and, and, and playing your, your guys out wider, you know, toward the boundary. Maybe that's the way to stop Green Bay is that we play, you know, this, this college style defense. We kind of mix it up or we work in these, in these, in these kind of concepts. So did they just kind of tip their hand and reveal that they don't have a good answer for this unconventional uh, defense? And that didn't, that, that didn't sit well with me. You, you would think if it's, you know, college scheming, you would think is, is more vanilla and is easier to beat. And they should have been able to, well, they saw it in film and they saw it in the game and they would be able to have a plan and beat that. Um, and if their plan was so fragile that it rested you know, on the quadricep of number 30, and, and, and once he's done, you know, the whole thing is ruined. That's kind of a house of cards right there, you know, without well, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. We said that with, with uh, Mike uh, and Michael Irvin, uh, Swervin Irvin. Um, uh, yeah, Tyler Irvin. Tyler Irvin, thank you. Uh, when he went out against Tampa, it was like the whole thing kind of broke. We thought, is Tyler Irvin like the, the, the key to this offense? Like, what's well, going on? It's actually Jamal Williams. This is actually the key. We've now learned it's not, you know. <laughs> but you know, I, it doesn't seem like it should be that way. Right. That you know they got tripped up by what is in the NFL a novelty, but it's not like something they hadn't ever seen before. I mean, Rodgers played in college and Lafleur coached in college, and I would think that wouldn't be so tough to beat. But apparently, it was. Uh, didn't you think, uh, too, well, I, I was going to ask you, you know, as much as you said when Jamal Williams went down, things kind of fell apart. Do you know how many times he touched the ball without looking at your screen? Oh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Stop looking. Yeah, I, I see now it's three times. <laughs> three. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, he was, now he, with all the misdirection and having Jones oh, yeah. and yeah. Williams in the back at the same time, like having to respect both. Right. Fair enough. You know, he, he it creates that much that much of a of a difference. But man, when they gave the ball to AJ Dillon, he runs for eighteen oh, yards. Man, guy's a beast. Jeez. I did. I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe that's the point when I felt the worst for Carolina because I thought, now here's a guy who's got you know legs the size of tree oh, trunks, and he has man. been playing all year, and he's completely fresh. Like we're gonna see AJ Dillon just bowl, bowl this team over, and then that was it. One carry. Uh, yeah, it, I, it was, it was uh, no. You know, I'm no, I'm no big fan of Bart in the morning. I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a decent guy. I don't really care for his sports takes, but uh, he, he actually, he, I, I know you like him, but <laughs> he actually had a good line when he said it was like, you know, they, they unwrapped the AJ Dillon box, they, they got him out to play with them, and then they wrapped him back up again to see him for later. <laughs> I thought that's, that's exactly what it looked like they did. I mean, if you see a guy bust for 18 yards. Why wouldn't you give him more? Now, I know that the guy has a hard time. He's been out with COVID, and he hasn't said. He missed five weeks with COVID, so you know maybe he's not 100% you know, biologically healthy or, you know, or his lung capacity. Is, I don't know. It could be something like that. It could be that he's, he struggled picking up blitzes, which in their offense, you know, very big. Maybe there's some assignment you know, questions. I, I don't know how adept he is as... A learner. I mean, there could be lots of reasons, but that carry was so awesome and so impressive. It's like, man, give me more of that, please. I know. And I'm looking at the drive chart. 
It was uh, second and six at the Green Bay 41. He rushes for 18 yards. You get to the two-minute warning. I guess at the two-minute warning, you're on the Carolina 41. You're up 21 to three. Do you you feel like you got a pass to if you're going to go down and score? But they incomplete short middle. Then he gets sacked for 10 yards, and then uh, he scrambles, and uh, and they end up having to punt. Um, You know, after that run, I would have. I don't know. I mean, I'm no NFL coach or offense coordinator, but I would have thought. I might go back to Dylan, you know, yeah, or just try to I get would, it, see what happens, you know? Yeah. Leave yeah. him in and say, you know, we're going to, if there's, if, if there's so many guys in the box, we're going to run. And if there's, if there's not, we're going to, we'll pass, but they're going to keep, you know, and I thought a few times it looked like there was maybe, what, what would it be? Four, four linemen and two, it was like maybe six in the box, maybe seven in the box. And I felt they were running really consistently against that. I think I would have given them a full dose of AJ Dylan to into the half. And then kick the field goal, you know, or you, could, you know, on a third down or something, you could go for a touchdown. But I just, I was surprised. I don't, I, I think, I mean, that wasn't the, in that drive, I, it wasn't like the absolute killer. I mean, we're up 21 3 going into halftime. It's just, it just seemed odd that uh, he never came back. And I didn't yeah. hear any kind of injury or, or anything like that. I don't, I don't think so. The, you know, and, and if he was somehow, physiologically compromised because of the virus he wouldn't have played he wouldn't have suited up at all you know so he must have been he he would must have been if maybe he wasn't a hundred percent but 95 percent well enough to play but one play i mean i don't i don't even know if he played special teams i mean one play it was great it would be it was good enough that you would say oh well, that was interesting. Hey, how about if we try another one and see? And then if he fumbles or if he, you know, falls down on a heap at the line of scrimmage, okay, all right, I guess we're going to stop that. But you, you think there would be enough encouragement from that one play that, you know, we're going to – that, as I recall, Dave, that play went to the left side. So maybe we try something like that to the right side and see if, you know, maybe there's, there, there's something there. Instead, they went away from it entirely, and that, that baffled me. Because when something is that successful, it seems like you just want to give it a second try, you know? Well, you know, I, I, if you see how the game played out, you know, right after the touchdown, Carolina goes three and out and punts. And now we got the ball. And then we end up punting because of the, that series of plays I just mentioned. Yeah, right. Get the sack. You know, he hasn't been sacked that often. Carolina goes four and out right away. So you get the ball back with 50, Five. let's see, what's was, 55 seconds. Yeah. So you're like, all right, let's see, with Aaron Rodgers in the football they basically go three and out with the penalty thrown in there. So they go into halftime with two punts. And I wonder if they kind of went into inside themselves of like, you know, how did, how do we get two punts there? Why did that not work? And, and then they came out and passed and passed. And then all of a sudden now they're, they're lost. They're, they, yeah. they oh, yeah. wanted to get back on track and out of sync. Uh, yep. Yeah. They, they just, you know, and maybe that's the flaw of the team is, is, and this is probably the most obvious statement ever. When you're in sync, you know, they're great. When they're out of sync, they can't sort of find their way. But you look at like Tampa Bay, who was down huge against Atlanta and came back. I don't know if the Packers have that really in them. I, I don't know if the defense can sustain, you know, uh, stop after stop. Or but can the offense sort of figure out what is going to work? Or are they just going to keep pushing what has worked and, and hope that it, it turns itself around, which... I don't think that's the right way to approach it. Well, you know, I'm actually um, glad that you mentioned the defense because after the break, I want to come back and talk more about the defense and also about their their pass protection, some more of the disjointedness on offense. Uh, but before we go to the break, though, I think it's important that we thank 
Michael Lapointe, and 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 not just because he has an awesome name, mm-hmm. Michael Lapointe. I mean, God, you know, and he went to Patreon. Something I still don't understand. I think it's something that's run by gypsies and fairies. I have no idea what Patreon is, but I do know it results in us getting money. And that is, I think, all we really need to know about that. Um, Michael Lapointe went to our Patreon, um, and I guess what you do is you like you pledge a amount monthly or weekly. Uh, I hope his is daily uh, because it's really nice. So it garnishes your wages, I think. I, 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 Think what it does? Yes, I think uh, one of our lawyers on staff, uh, Tom Freeman or somebody, will help will help you set up a uh, a deferred gift option, and your estate, uh, I think, comes to Packers Therapy. Uh, but Michael, uh, this is absolutely wonderful. We thank you very much for your generosity, uh, as we do uh, others. And you know, it's not Michael wasn't the only person uh, to go to Patreon, and I guess people like Patreon. What's wrong with PayPal, people? Okay. I understand PayPal, but I don't understand Patreon. It doesn't matter because we have yet another person, and I think this is a person with a, an assumed name. Aaron Madsen, is that really a name? It sounds to me like something you just sort of like make up, you know? You Aaron think? Madsen. I, that, that doesn't sound real to me. I mean, Michael LaPointe, I mean, that's, that's with a capital you Can't P. make that up, huh? Yeah, that's... and also Michael LaPointe with an E at the end, okay? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's Like a super real... spy. Yeah. It's, Yo, baby. And, you know, R.I.P. John Lacare. Okay. Anyway, um, Aaron Madsen, another guy. No, I'm not, I'm not saying Aaron's not as generous as Michael. That would be an unfortunate thing to say. It would sound darn right ungrateful. I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say thank you, sir, for your kindness, your generosity, and for some reason, supporting Packers Therapy through Patreon. So, People who understand Patreon, of course, I don't. I'm a simple caveman. I don't understand these things. But I understand you go to this site and you make a pledge and Chris and Dave get money and we can retire early and, and, buy, and buy that movie theater in Kansas that we're looking to buy. Uh, so thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. All kidding aside here, uh, Michael and Aaron um, and there's a, a host of others that have given through Patreon. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate it. We also do have the PayPal option uh, for those people that are like me and just are old and decrepit life has passed them by. Uh, in those instances, you go to PayPal. It's uh, Packers Therapy at Yahoo.com. Remember when Yahoo was a thing? Mm, those, yeah. those were the days. Didn't fact, we, uh, wasn't yeah. there Wisconsin grad was the CEO of Yahoo? Yes, Club? yes. Carol Bartz. Yeah. Carol yeah. Bartz. And a very nice lady, by the way. I, I, was, at, I was at Carol's house. She's a, she's a wonderful lady. Um, and she ran Yahoo for a while until they decided they wanted to go in a different direction. So that explains why Yahoo is not a thing anymore, because they turned their back on a UW grad. Uh, (laughs) But we have retained Packers Therapy at Yahoo.com. You can use that, and you can go to PayPal if you so choose, instead of Patreon, and uh, throw a little something-something to Chris and Dave. Uh, people have really been generous this year. They've responded in one of those two ways to the the podcast. This podcast will never uh, be behind a paywall or some other kind of crap like that. That's not why we do this. Uh, we do it because it was fun, and then we kept doing it because other people thought it was fun. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why we have this. If you want to give us a little bit of money, we are definitely grateful. We definitely appreciate it. Those are the ways that you can do that. All right. So those things aside, we can take a little bit of a break here. Uh, I need to uh, hit the meds again. Uh, and... <laughs> And then uh, this podcast back. is being brought to you by some kind of painkiller, right? Is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Heavy, heavy dose. Yeah. 
Oxy, yeah. Yeah, the, la- the last time I was on morphine and Vicodin, I believe, is what they had me on last time. Two, two different kinds. Five years later and everything that's happened in the last five years, they now give me, like, um, I think a guy with a briefcase and a handcuff came out and gave me this little bottle for these little tiny pills. Yeah, and it's like, that's it? Yeah, well, you can have Tylenol, too. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> Boy, that'll get me flying in no time. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that that's what they do for you know post operative, you know. So, uh, so anyway, I'm I'm gonna go hit hit that again. Uh, but there's more thoughts on Packers therapy. Uh, again, I want to talk about the pass protection, and I want to talk a little bit uh, also about the defense. Chris and Dave going to be back in just a bit. Talk a little more Packers therapy, and then we'll have the betting lines and some pop culture and uh, email coming up right after this. Back with more Packers therapy and back with more Chris and Dave uh, talking about the uh, Packers victory over the Carolina Panthers and Packers now with two games left in the regular season at 11 and three right now. Uh, Dave, I know you were active on uh, Twitter as a lot of us are uh, during Packer games, but also this time of the year where, you know, we're inside a little bit more and we're trying to dodge the virus and things like that. Uh, I thought you had a, actually kind of a uh, kind of an entertaining observation uh, when <laughs> AJ Hawk uh, uh, and Aaron Rodgers' interview with uh, uh, on the podcast that Pat McAfee does. Yeah, it's worth uh, if you see my tweet or if you look at those. I'm sure there's another one. I guess they're on Tuesdays with uh, Aaron and right. um, and uh, I, I watch and you know this has been a thing all year, right? This Pat McAfee where Rodgers gets on there and. He's sitting outside on a couch, it looks like. A.J. Yeah. Hawk is smoking a cigar, not saying a word. And Pat McAfee is basically uh, worshiping Rogers and everything he says, right? So <laughs> that's the dynamic. You know, it's uh, – and, and it is what it is, right? And, and there's been a couple of interesting quotes he said on that, and so it's been referenced a lot. But on this particular one, apparently a, a college quarterback was criticizing Rogers on something he was wearing. And Rogers was making the point that uh, you can criticize my fashion, but not my swag. My swag is how I feel about myself. Like I'm a tough guy. Uh, you know, like it's my it's my swagger. It's not my fashion. It's my swag. That was. And I'm as I was watching this thing, you know, AJ Hawk is just puffing along, you know, and Pat McAfee is just like crying tears of joy, you know, because Rogers is actually speaking to him. Um, and I just felt like that I tweeted. I was like, I can't imagine anyone I'd rather less spend less time with than these three guys. I mean, it was <laughs> like the worst bro uh, back slapping. You know, I, I, I just like it made me sick to my stomach to watch it. And I, I don't dislike Aaron Rodgers. I, I think, you know, we said before, he's not a guy I would necessarily want to have dinner with. But man, listening to this, listening to Rogers talk about his swag. Swagger. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, the way he parsed much. it out too was I, I, was it, there's a difference between swag and swagger and how they fit together in the 21st century. I mean, it was it, it was what <laughs> way too much time breaking this stuff down, bro. <laughs> and I thought it was, the comment, uh, though, was 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 great. You know, uh, these yeah, are not three guys I want to hang out with. <laughs> oh man, far from it, far from it. Yeah, it's just I'm older now. I don't feel like beat my chest like a gorilla in front of a bunch of guys anymore. You know, now it's talk about colonoscopies and hip <laughs> replacements. 
<laughs> that's that's where I'm at. So anyway, that's uh, I, it's but it's worth watching just for the laugh because I I just thought you know. <laughs> How can anyone take themselves seriously when they see this? But anyway. yeah, you know, it was. It, it was. I'm glad you uh, tweeted that too, because if, if people see it, if they go to Twitter and find or maybe find, it's at Pack Therapy Dave. Uh, by the way, good follow on Twitter at Pack Therapy Dave. Um, and if you find it, it's really worth watching the clip because it's kind of. I don't know if it's absurd. Is it surreal? Exactly. I mean, the way he's talking about this, and the manner in which he's expressing himself and then these other two guys on either side of him, it's, it's like, preach it, Aaron, preach it. Yeah. Right. It's almost like a sketch on Saturday night live or something. <laughs> it was, it was very odd and peculiar. Um, and I don't even act that loopy when I'm on my pain meds, man. It's, it's, it was, it's, I, don't, I don't know. So yeah, it's worth, it's worth seeking out. And Dave's a really good follow. Uh, we, we have, we have our, Packers Therapy account, which I which I uh, staff, uh, but uh, Dave is at Pack Therapy Dave, and he's a good follow as well. So, look him up on Twitter and follow him. Love him or hate him, he's your guy. He's Dave. All right. <laughs> no, so, you don't hey, have to hate him. No, don't tell people well, they can hate him. You, I don't, that's I don't, don't want that as an option. Him. Love him or don't follow him. That's you, your option. You don't have to hate him. It's optional, uh, but I say it's you know for some people it's preferred. Okay, <laughs> right. So anyway, let's uh, let's talk more about this game because there's more things we we didn't touch on in in, in the first um, segment here. I want to talk a little bit about the defense, and I, I I've heard people all over the board about the defense uh, against Carolina, and it's gotten to the point where even when the defense plays good, people are like they're not willing to say that they played well, uh, which I think is damn unfortunate uh, because I thought the defense actually saved the Packers when the offense lost its way, when it had its existential crisis and was unable to get out of its own way when it was punting five times in a row. The defense, I thought, was stout. Uh, and it was one sequence in particular, and I want to say it was maybe, was it late in the first half, I think, uh, where three consecutive passes were defended. And by that, I don't mean they were dropped or they were bad passes, that defensive backs got their hands on the ball to knock it away from the receiver. And two of those uh, were by 31, by Amos. He did, I thought it was his best game as a Packer. Yeah. He a lot he of was, this oh, yep. man, he, he, he played great. And on that sequence, on those three plays, he had two passes that were defensed. And as a team, they had three. They had seven passes defensed for the game. Now, I know, I know it's Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, was was kind of on the rise before he had that horrific knee injury. He lost a couple of seasons, and I don't know if he would have been a great quarterback anyway. But certainly after the injuries, probably a diminished player. But he's not a stiff. I don't think he's a stiff. Oh, I think he's pretty efficient, and he's kind of the what Carolina represents, right? It's a it's a team that's not been very good, and the record doesn't show that they've had been successful. But they've been in a lot of close games against good teams. It's because Bridgewater. He made one mistake with the fumble, but pretty much, you know, he kind of kept things together and, and made decent decisions. And, you know, he did, he did fine, but, he, you know, he's he's not Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Patrick yeah. Mahomes or anything. But that's yeah, he's, I would say he's he's competent. And I think with a with a decent team around him, he's 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 probably, you know, a guy that can be a playoff caliber quarterback. So I don't want to diminish the defensive effort. I got I thought, You know how mediocre he is? 
someday I hope Jordan loves it as good as him. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, that might be good enough if the rest of the team around you that's is right. in, that's in right. the steam in, in the scheme is strong. So uh, anyway, I, I just wanted to to give some appreciation. Uh, well, first of all, to to thirty one, I thought Amos did well, uh, and I also thought, and I've been on this guy since early in the season. Chris Barnes had play of the game, you know, on the goal line. Now, Teddy probably not his finest moment, letting the ball be exposed, but fifty one, you know, didn't just blindly throw himself in there. He went for the ball. He knocked it out. And, you know, Kevin King was able to pick it up. I was surprised he got caught from behind. Uh, nonetheless, he did scoop it up and got, you know, 50 yards. And that was probably the key play of the game in retrospect. And that was, again, the defense stepping up and making a game-turning play that probably was more important to the overall success of the game than anything that, you know, the offense had done because they went into a shell for the last two and a half quarters. Well, the defense I thought was pretty solid, pretty consistent all the way around. So I, I give those guys, you know, a lot of credit. I mean, they had, they also had three, had three sacks, which I thought was real solid against a guy who was probably not as mobile as he once was, but still pretty mobile. It held him under 83 in, in passer rating. Um, you know, as far as the rushing game goes, no one was really going off big time on them on the, on the ground game. I just thought it was a very good uh, defensive performance. And I, I think people are inclined uh, to just write the defense off as a liability and, and they're not great, but I, I'm thinking that they're probably good enough when the offense is the way the offense needs to be. I think the defense is good enough for the Packers to win. Yeah. I looking at this defense and I think if, if they do find a way to, play three games where they click, you know, then we have a, a Super Bowl potentially in our future. And I'm looking at these guys and there has been defenses in the past where I felt like I don't care how high above they play above their talent. Like Ladarius Gunter was the guy I was trying oh, to think last That's week. the guy. Yes. Yes. Uh, someone did tweet that to me and I, I apologize for not remembering your name, but, um, uh, but you know, I look at, you know, the list of these guys, Amos King, Savage Barnes, even Sullivan, Clark, Zadarius, the two Smith brothers, Gary. I mean, there's talent on this team. It just doesn't seem to, for whatever reason, seem. I mean, it, part of it is today's NFL is so offensive friendly. But can they really pull it together? And I, I think what could make this team make that big step forward is if Barnes and Martin kind of figure it out. And it'll be really interesting against Tennessee if they've lined these guys up to say, okay, you've, you've got enough practice. You know, it's going to be less of Kirksey. We're going to do Martin and Barnes because our best chance is these guys play well. Uh, we can't necessarily win with Kirksey. We're going to let this play because, I mean, Martin plays at a really high speed. It just seems like he's always flying through the pile into the into the uh, backfield <laughs> when the guys already left. Like it's but, you know, he's 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 aggressive. And if he can ever sort of time blowing through the line at, at the same time, the running back is there, then we've got something so. You know, can those two guys really step up and stop someone like a Derrick Henry, which gives them confidence, which builds into the playoffs? Now, all of a sudden, the defense is something to be reckoned with because it's like the the it, the individual parts are greater than the whole uh, in some uh, some ways. Like I, I mean, Kenny Clark is a really good player. I really like him, 
But then, you know, we play defense and, you know, you don't hear from Kenny Clark for a while. Um, Zary Smith is the same way. You know, I, Alexander, it's like there's a lot of really good parts here. Um, and, and I think it started to come together a little bit against Carolina. Um, you know, when they were saying how good Robbie Anderson had been, you know, during the year and he had no catches. Yeah. To me, I look like Robbie Anderson had no interest in being in the game, but um, they said he was a really good, good player and had a really good season. And we shut him down really, really well. So I don't know. I'm hopeful the defense can pull it together. You know, is it possible that the defense, the offense really click right, you know, as playoff time starts and, and we have something magical here. It's different than years where I looked at this team and said, we have no talent. We got to, we got to get a break. We got to get a tip ball for interception. Kind of like, us against San Francisco a few years ago when Sam Shields got that touchdown that, but you know, eventually the defense just cracked and we couldn't stop San Francisco that year. This year, I feel like we've got the the parts. It just doesn't seem to fit together yet. I'm glad you mentioned Kenny Clark. Um, You know, this is one of those things that um, in the 21st century, uh, you know, we look at them different. If, if, if Kenny Clark was white, uh, we would say he's a lunch pail guy, you know. He's a high motor guy, uh, you know. But of course, he's black, so we we can't we can't say that about him, right? Because it, it violates the the social norms. But that's exactly who the guy is. He is relentless, you know. He's blocked. He's knocked down. He gets back up again. Uh, sounds like an old song, <laughs> yeah, but he true. does, you know. And he continues to pursue guys. He gets double teamed, and you know he he fights through that stuff. Now. I think that's a reason why he doesn't make an impact a lot. And, and, and you mentioned that, and I get it because you don't hear his name a lot, but he's drawing all these double teams, and that doesn't stop him. And how often is the guy racing downfield, too, after he gets you know, blocked and fights through his guys and you know, gets up off the turf, and he gives chase? I mean, he is the classic you know, high-motor, try-hard guy in addition to being supremely talented and i i, I want to give him some some props on that because you know he, he plays the way that a lot of other guys with lesser talent would get credit for but we don't give him that credit i think partially because of you know his race but also because he's talented i think you can be talented and have a high motor and i think that's who this guy is and i you know i really i really like him as a player and i think that if he had Somebody next to him um, on the line that wasn't, you know, Lancaster or Dean Lowry, you know. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, you know. <laughs> no. He, he not, had, yeah. Well, I mean, not. Okay, let, 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 let me back up there. Not, it's, not because, <laughs> it's not because he's white. Those guys I don't think are that good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So let me be candid about that. It's, it's not their race. It's their ability. <laughs> I, I agree. But you know what I'm thinking? If I, if I look at our defensive line and say, you know, what do you think of Kenny Clark? I think he's great. You know, he's like an all-pro kind of player. Zadarius Smith, awesome. Like, he's really disruptive. He gets, yeah. He's got a ton of quarterback sacks. Uh, how about Gary and, and Kiki? Up-and-coming players. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the defensive line? Yeah, not so much. You know, yeah, I, yeah right? I, yeah. That's how I sort of feel. It's, I could do the same thing with the backfield. Um, love Alexander. Amos is, you know, King can play. How do you feel about your secondary? Ah, they could get better. Um but, you know, if they all had good games at the same time, you know, then and maybe a playoff game against the Saints or, you know, where they're really up for it can can make it happen. Uh, but I think a big, big hole that needs to be filled is 
is Martin and Barnes. I feel like if those two guys can just be average um, and let everyone else around, and, and do their job when other people are doing above average work, then um, we might have something here with the defense. And I think it, the Tennessee game is going to be super interesting. I was looking at the, the stats uh, for Tennessee last game. Tannehill had 145 uh, quarterback rating. Derrick mm-hmm. Henry ran for 147 yards against mm-hmm. Detroit. Mm-hmm. Now we had a pretty good game against Detroit too, mm-hmm. but um, you know those are pretty healthy numbers. So how can we hold up against a Tennessee team that you know took Detroit with 46 points, um, you know 10 and 14? It's pretty good. Good good receivers. I I, I don't recognize a whole lot of them other than AJ Brown, but um, must be something going on. And Tannehill's had a really good couple seasons. It'll be interesting to see how this defense if we're getting better or not. I I think that they need to have. Uh, Barnes and Martin on the field at the same time. And I, I guess they're hesitant to do that because they're rookies. Martin missed a, a quite a bit of time at the beginning of the year. Uh, Barnes had COVID. Um, and I think there are reasons why they hesitate to put them out there together. But I think they are their best two inside guys. Uh, I know, I know Martin plays a little out of control. He is a guided missile that sometimes doesn't hit the target. Uh, and I think you mentioned that in the first part of this podcast. You know, he gets in the backfield, not able to finish it off. But the fact that he gets there, that he is aggressive, that he does recognize it, and he's playing fast and hard, those are guys, when I see that, I think, okay, you can, you can rein some of that back. You can get him to, when he gets into the backfield, to break down a little bit and to make those plays. What we haven't seen very often from guys playing that position in Green Bay, not since Desmond Bishop, are guys that are able to make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And when I, I think a lot of that is innate. It's your ability to recognize and then to explode. Now, I know that's part of the guided missile uh, analogy, but mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think that Martin's got that ability. And I think Barnes is just a really smart and tough guy. Uh, undrafted, uh, one of those guys that just slipped through, and yeah. he's he's a he's a good player. So I'm I'm optimistic about those guys playing side by side. Now, Petten though likes to play with the second inside linebacker being a defensive back uh, because you know he wants to defend against the pass first. But I think that weakens he against the run this week coming up, based on who they're going to be facing as the running back. I think you need two linebackers on the field in the middle of the field against the guy, you know, that, that you're facing who may right now be the best running back in, in the NFL right now. So I'm hoping that they're going to take a chance and say, yeah, I know these guys are young. I know they've missed time this, this season, but I think it gives them the best chance of stopping Henry to have them both on the field at the same time. I do too. I just, I think that's I, I, Kirksey. I, I, People say like Kirksey had a terrible game. I think he, I guess he did. I mean, there was the other team had a lot of yards and scored a lot of points, but I didn't see why is it Kirk, Kirksey necessarily. I mean, I look any linebacker in coverage is probably going to be a liability. So I, right. yep. I don't necessarily you know hold him out versus anybody else. But against you know run defense, is he is he terrible? But I, I just I think when I watch Barnes and Martin, it certainly seems that they're upside is high. It's, it'd be a shame if you're not going to see a consistent upside because you have to wait your obligatory three years for these guys to figure it out. The Devonte Adams syndrome. 
um, you know, we need them now, you know, and if this would just be a good game to measure against, because I imagine Tennessee is going to run a lot. And uh, I mean, how many Henry rushed for 24 uh, carries against Detroit? Um, Yeah, I I think you're going to see, you know, is it going to be five yards, six yards, 10 yards, you know, by Henry stiff arming everybody into the ground? (laughs) Or are they able to get a couple of second and eights, third and sevens, you know, and and then we're, you know, we're having to rely on the pass defense. So we'll see. I, everyone is waiting for Derrick Henry to rip us apart ever since last year against San Francisco, having them do that to us. But that was a different kind of back that killed us in San Francisco. That was a really fast guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is a big guy. And, and he's, he's plenty fast, too. But um, I think you're going to be able to hit him. It's just can you get him down? I, 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 think it's a, I think the Packers might struggle a little bit more against guys that can't catch. Um, so maybe they'll have a little bit more success than people are saying. There's some funny self-created videos uh, out on, especially on Reddit. If you look on the Green Bay Packers Reddit page where they have um, uh, like Kevin from Home Alone. He goes outside and they put a little Packer emblem on his on his shirt and he walks out and says, I'm not afraid anymore. And then that scary guy with the shovel comes out and it's got Derek Henry's head and he <laughs> screams and he runs back in the house. <laughs> it's like a bunch of- there's a bunch of them like that, all waiting for Henry to come to Green Bay and beat us all up. We'll see. I, I yeah. guess when everyone says one thing, I always tend to, to want right. to go the other, yep. you know. Yep. And yep. it's everyone is seeing that coming. I mean, I'd be probably just as uh, expect Henry's going to rush for maybe 70 yards, but Tannehill throws for 350 mm-hmm. because we spent mm-hmm. so much time. I like that. I could see that happening. Then say Henry just pulling us over, but we shall see. I think Barnes. And Martin will be a big part of that. Well, you you mentioned uh, the passing game, and that made me think of uh, Kevin King, who has come in for a lot of abuse this week from a number of places. I mean, Peter Bukowski, for one place, was and his podcast on Monday was just just ripped Kevin King a new one for having a a terrible game. And I think even Mike Clemens was, was commenting on, you know, Kevin King apparently looking slow out there. That fact that he got caught from behind when he uh, Mm. picked up the fumble that Barnes caused um, and, you know, getting beat in coverage. And I think now this is, I mean, Bukowski was, he even said that Kevin King was playing like Ahmad Carroll, which I mean, brutal. I mean, that's a, that's an analogy. Yeah. And I, I didn't really see that that bad. I don't think it was a great game by Kevin King, but as I thought about this and, and this is the advantage you have, right? When you listen and read to a lot of things, you can kind of sort it through your head. Um, yeah, maybe King did not have a great game. Um, you know, he, he, uh, probably has had better games. I think that's safe to say. But why? You know, why was why was that a factor? Why did he get caught from behind? What's the what's the deal? And it occurs to me that this is a guy in a contract year whose biggest rap against him is that he can't stay on the field. So is he at this point saying, "Damn, I don't, you know, my my uh, Achilles, which I think is one of his his problems, not feeling great. Um, I, jeez." Uh, but I have to play because if I don't play, it's going to make it harder to get the deal that I want to get. So I'm going to tell him I feel fine. I'm going to go out there and give it the best that I can. Um, and hopefully that'll eliminate some of the noise that's out there about me that might keep me from getting paid. And I'm, I'm just wondering how much the financial part of the game is figuring into whether or not you know Kevin King is making the right 
team decisions, and he's making a business decision that I'm good enough to play, just not good enough to play at a high level. Now, the, huh. the downside, of course, is when you go out and play and you don't play great, that diminishes your value too. So you've got to do a calculus. Am I better to be available and not play great, or am I better you know, to say um, I can't play at the high level, at 100% level? And so if he, if he did have a bad game and it was because he was limited by injury, my guess is that he allowed himself to play because he needs to be on the field in order to get the kind of deal that he wants to get. That's my, that's my theory here. And I'm, you know, I mean, let's face it, the, the money stuff for all these guys is real. I mean, Aaron Jones changed agents this past week. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think he got up in the morning and said, you know, I think I need to, I need to get rid of my guy and hire Drew Rosenhaus. I, no, he, he's, he's thinking about what his future is going to be. He's in a contract year. I'm sure Williams is thinking about that very thing himself. He's in a contract year and Kevin King, all these guys, Corey Lindsley. I, I bet he's going to come back and play, even if he's not ready to come back from this injury and, and play because, you know, he's in a contract year. Uh, so Kevin King, yeah. Maybe not his best game, but I'm thinking that maybe he willed himself to play for financial reasons. Yeah. Well, you know, he's in a tough spot because, say, he, if he's not playing, then I'm, I'm angry with him one way. He never can yep. stay on the field. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't recall him having a terrible game. Um, you know, I don't think so. It wasn't a great game, but I think it was as bad as Bukowski said. Well, you know, you know, Alexander and Amos kind of jumped off the screen yeah. for me yeah. in, uh, in their play. I don't remember King doing that. But, man, you know, corners are just going to get lit up in this league. That's just part of the deal. Um, and I feel, feel like, you know, good teams scoop up fumbles and return them for yeah. how Touchdowns. many yards. Yeah. Bad teams bumble them around or, you know, just yeah. land on it and squirts out. And the other team gets it. Like, that's the difference between, you know, winning and losing. And, you know, he scooped it up and ran down the field and, it just it wasn't a given that that was going to be that clear cut that it was that was going to happen. So Kevin King's the kind of guy that can scoop up fumbles when when they're on the ground. I, I feel like those are winners more than not. But yeah, you know I think Kevin King is his whole body of work has been disappointing for a first round pick. Certainly when you still have T.J. Watt, you know, mm-hmm. out there playing right. as well as he's playing. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's uh, I think as a whole. Kevin King is a good example of someone where I feel like, yeah, he's someone that I'm worried about. Um, uh, you know, you talk about uh, Lowry and Lancaster. I mean, those guys are try-hard guys. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of good on this defense. I, 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 I think there's a lot of talent, and I just I don't understand why they can't sort of pull it all together. I guess that, that could be coaching, and people are really down on coaching, although I, I don't know. You know, I would think talent has a lot to do with with things with um, with coaching. I feel like you know when people are calling for the special teams coach mm-hmm. his head, mm-hmm. I think like what you, what is he supposed to do? Like <laughs> how much? What kind of scheming is he not doing right? Uh, when it feels like that is all about talent, but uh, that's all about desire. I think. Yeah, it, right. It, you know, it's not like you know he should have run play twenty. You know, why are you running play eighteen? Um, Anyway, but I, I am I, I I I'm really interested to see how this defense plays against Tennessee. I think this is going to be a great check for them. Are they on the rise or are they kind of the same, you know, defense we've seen for the last few years, which would be disappointing. 
Okay, I got a couple more things on the offensive side, and then yeah, I'll, I'll let you wrap up what you have. Um, some drops again uh, this week, and Alan Lazard I thought had a pretty good game, except when they really needed him to come up with that ball along the sidelines. Hit him right in the flexible basket, right in the hands, yeah. right yeah. through his hands on the sideline. Now, I, I realize he was tightroping the sideline. He was probably thinking about that. Maybe that distracted him. That was one time where Rodgers was pissed, and I was pissed right along with him. I mean, that one of the things about Lazard is that he's solid. He's the kind of guy that'll go downfield and block. He is a Simon shirt. He, he does the things he's supposed to do. And, you know, he had a, a pretty good game. I mean, the guy had five had five catches and six targets. The only one he dropped was the one along the sideline. He, you know, he had a 22-yard gain in there, which was their biggest, you know, gain from, from scrimmage. Um, so I, I'm not, I don't want to be too tough on the guy, but damn, that is the kind of thing you've got to convert that. You've got to hang on to that thing. Um, for, the first thing my son said was, you know, he hearkened back to that sideline play against Dallas in the yeah, postseason. The and it's, yeah. yeah, and it's like, that, that was not Jared Cook out there. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. There's no question of, about that one. So yeah. uh, Devontae Adams uh, also had two drops in this game. And he's, it's not that he's dropped a ton of balls this year, but, you know, he's had games where he's not been able to be as sure with his hands as you would think a guy with his talent and pedigree should be. And he had two more drops today. I mention it because it's unusual for a guy who's that good, who may be the best wideout right now in the NFL, uh, to, you know, not be as secure as he can be. And I, I, it makes me sort of wonder too, um, and this isn't maybe entirely fair, but, you know, there, there are three drops right there. How does the complexion of the game change if those guys can hang on to the ball. And it's not so much even the yardage, it's the momentum, it's the rhythm, it's you know keeping the things going. Uh, when you make mistakes like that, and I haven't seen a stat on this, but it seems like the Packers drop more balls than a lot of other teams do. And I don't follow those teams, obviously, as closely. But I think those are big things, and you can't afford to drop sure you know, these aren't contested balls. I mean, these were ones that were, you know, right in the hands kind of things. It wasn't right. like it was a, a 50-50 ball. So that was that was disappointing to me as well. Speaking of 17, did you ever figure out what that personal fall he committed was early in the game? Yeah, I, I meant what, to tweet about that. I thought, you know, he must be the master of sarcastic cutdowns or you know verb like verbal strikes at people because didn't he have like a something happened against minnesota too where he got a 15 yes. yard or yes or was it minnesota he i, I think, forget I think it was it, it was the first game i think right yeah where he, he, i thought it was a game where we lost but he he hardly did anything but he said something and he got a 15 yard and thought wow that was really ticky tack but maybe his his comments are so cutting like that the ref hears it and goes like oh my gosh that's that's worse than like a block in the back and you know and that's a 15 yard so <laughs> so you know what master of, he, of you know what he is dave he's the oscar wilde of wide receivers <laughs> yeah i think that's right his, yeah. his comments are so devastating so so pithy and and just they totally reduce the other people to just 
tears. Yeah. Blobs, blobs of flesh. They're just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It must be. Because the ref's like, oh, that's not right. Oh, that's that, so we, mean. we can't have that. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, and then the last thing that I had, uh, really, five sacks. You had 13 coming into the game. You give up five. Now, I think the strength of the Panthers, probably their defensive line. I know they have the number seven overall pick was there. And uh, poor Lucas Patrick got his lunch eaten uh, by this guy. Uh, but, man, five sacks. Some of them, you know, maybe a little bit on Rodgers. Um, but, yeah, the five sacks just, ugh, that was disturbing. And, again, you know, you wonder if that is something that other people are going to look at and say, ah, so this is what we can do uh, against the Packers to make Rodgers uncomfortable. We're going to play that college defense that apparently so stymies the Packers. Um, and maybe they don't have the personnel to do it, the other teams. But I was, I'm not accustomed to seeing what I think is a very good offensive line uh, get beaten the way they were. Yeah, I don't understand it because it does feel like the formula. If you can get Rodgers flustered and that's glazed eye and shaking his head at the sidelines and you put him on the ground a few times like that totally takes them out of their game and they don't rally from that. Like you get them into that sort of into that situation, then you got them. Um, and then there'll be times where Tino play teams will blitz and do everything and they just can't get to Rogers and he's getting rid of the ball early. And, and it's like, what a dummy to be blitzing and putting pressure on Rogers. You need to play coverage. I don't understand why sometimes it works and sometimes it does. I don't know if they, just underestimated. I mean, that Brian Burns seemed to always be, uh, you know, he gave Bakhtiari fits. I know. And, and then I see that this is a guy we could have taken instead of uh, Rashawn Gary, which uh, is a little disappointing. But yeah, uh, but you I, know, he looked. I saw good. that as well. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, but um, you know, I, I I don't understand it. It feels like that was. Uh, an aberration rather than like, you know, the line, everyone, everyone was on Patrick and, you know, we need to get Runyon in there. These guys have been done pretty well against some pretty decent defenses. Um, you know, Carolina again has been close to a lot of other teams, the good, good teams that they played. Um, so maybe it's just a little bit of credit that they had a better, I mean, they had a bunch of number one picks on the, on the line that maybe they're starting to, to figure it out. No, I, 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 part of it, I, I think you're right. It's probably a little bit on offensive line. You could have probably had a three, two or three less if Rodgers kind of gets rid of the ball quicker and kind of plays within the offense. Something happened in this game where the offense fell apart. And I, I think, I don't really know. I, I, that's why I'd love to be able to listen inside the helmet or talk to a coach and say, what happened? Well, this is what happened. I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear one of a few things, but the result was clear that something broke and they have to figure out how to, how to someone's got to either be more humble or be smarter or something to not let this happen again. And um, it happened against Carolina, but we still won and we won by yep. eight. Yep. So I guess yeah. uh, you talk about the not complaining. This is probably something we probably could find other things to complain about than beating Carolina by eight and not playing as well as we think we should have. Do, do, do you have anything else to complain about before we go on to our betting lines? Oh, well. Not about the Packers, but <laughs> on and on about other things. Sure. Uh, one of which is my headset keeps beeping. I don't know what's going on. Oh, so no. I may, we may have to eject here at soon, but all right, we could try and make it. Should we try and 
let's let's try to push through. Let's do the betting lines, and uh, hopefully we won't have to have Nick do any uh, post production because your headset goes bad. All right. Well, first I'll just tell you up front that for this week's betting lines, the uh, the fix is in. Uh, everyone will be disappointed by this result, except for one person, and uh, I'll let you know in a second. So let's go through the, the lines for Carolina. Okay. Uh, number one, I asked you what the uh, quarterback rating would be for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you said boy. The line at 117. <laughs> it was 91.6. So yeah. finally got a – Yeah. Uh, number two, how many touchdowns for Adams and Tanyan set the line for two and a half, and they had one. I guess Tanyan yeah. did catch that one. Yep, yep. yep. I did. Um MVS incompletions, how many targets minus completions? You set the line mm. at one and a half, and it was one. Mm. So pretty okay. close line there. Uh, for Christian McCaffrey, total yards, or Davis, if he's not playing, you set the line at 120, and we got mm. 61 from Davis since McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number five, how many Green Bay turnovers and sacks will we have? You set the line at two and a half, and it was five. So... Did we have four sacks? Uh, we had three we, sacks. We had three sacks, yeah. And, and then there, was, there was the fumble recovery. So that's four. Mike yeah. had five, but maybe did he was thinking it's not the other way around because there was something we had, else happened. I don't know. I'm, maybe did we miss something? Maybe. Well, it gets even more fishy as we go on. So okay. let, let, right. let me keep okay. going here. Um, uh, then number six, uh, if we take. Touchdown, uh, how many touchdown throws minus punts? Uh, you set the line at one and a half. It was, uh, we had one touchdown pass and six punts. So that, <laughs> that stat is no longer ever to be referred to ever again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number seven, leading tackler. You said Barnes, I said Amos. Both good guesses. It was Kirksey. That's a surprise. That's a bit of a surprise, yep. Yeah. Uh, and I would not have thought that watching the game, to be honest. Seven and a half, uh, will they show the Green Bay-Carolina 1996 playoff game? We both thought they would. Yeah. I never saw it. Neither did Mike. I didn't either, yeah. Uh, will Carolina have a return more than 45 yards? We both said no. The answer was no. And uh, Aaron Jones, total yards for the tiebreaker. You said 110. I said 125. It was 158. Yeah, the winner this week game. is Mike Miller. Oh, no. Wait a second here. Yeah, right. Wait I a know. second here. I know. That, uh, 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 we're going to have to call in, uh, you know, we we'll have to get some arbitration on, on this one. Yeah. Ian Y in there, uh, you know, self dealing here. <laughs> it is, it, it's going to turn people off. I, I imagine, but I, I, he did beat the trash man. Who is it's, it's, uh, who's the trash? It's, man? What's it's the, Pedro, Pedro, the pet. Yes. He also had seven. Correct. But he, uh, right? and, and it, I think he's, he's in, he's in Germany as I recall. Right. I don't recall. I think you just make some of these countries just uh, up and give them locations. But that could be. Pedro could be in Germany. Pedro sounds a very German name. (laughs) No, no. Keep in mind, I'm I'm glad you mentioned this. When you write to us, always let us know where you're writing to us from. We we need to keep this in mind. It's important. That's right. Because it's that's that's how you become a character on the show. Exactly. Exactly. What you do and where you're from, and then you become a character. Exactly. So, yes. so speaking of characters, Mike Miller wins this week with seven correct, getting the beating the trash man out uh, with a tiebreaker. Are you ready for lines against Tennessee? Yes. So we do it before your headset runs out. I know this is a race <laughs> against the clock. This is 
All right, I'll uh, stick with uh, or liable. Number one, what will Aaron Rodgers' quarterback rating be this week? Ah, boy, this is a much tougher opponent, and it's going to be so based on if they're having difficulties stopping uh, Tennessee offensively, that's going to change how they play. I think it will change how they play the Packers play on offense. Um, man, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to put it at, Put it at 102. 102. All right, I'm going to take the over. Now, the weather, it's in the evening. It's an evening game. What's the yeah. weather like in Green Bay? Um, real quick look for me, and I can get Racine really quick. It's December in Wisconsin. 37. Be- well, here's oh. Green Bay. It's- Sunday, high of 30, low of 21, and 30% chance of snow. So That sounds could- like December in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Um, number two see this one coming how many rushing yards for derrick henry oh god and i mean i know there have been people you know saying well he'll get 150 for sure and you know what i agree i'm gonna say 150 all right i'm gonna take the under okay uh number three how many carries for aj Dillon? <sighs> december game late and Good time for those tree trunks to run over some people do you think he gets more than one carry it's got to be and i i you know with those those thigh injuries or quadricep injuries, they can linger. And I would be surprised if they're going to push it because Williams is so important um, to what they want to do that. And this is a game that they don't have to win and to still get the first, you know, the first seeding. So I think they're going to go easy on him. And I think we're going to see more Dylan. So do I have to give a number or I just have to say it's greater than one? Yeah, not a letter. You have to give a number of carries. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say, Let I'm going to say six and a half, six and a half. All right. I'll take the under, uh, number four, how many, uh, receptions will Devonte Adams have? Uh, you see, this is the thing though. Uh, he had seven receptions, but they were the weakest ass receptions <laughs> that I could imagine. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him do that kind of thing. I mean, he's, he's good for seven all the time, but is it going to be seven marshmallows or is it going to be seven of substance? Um, uh, let me put the line at seven and a half. All right. I'm going to take the over. Sometimes I think these AFC teams don't, you know, I remember Houston came in and single covered Adams. Now I think Tennessee has got their coaches. The, uh, is like oh, the yeah. Bill Belichick. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike, it's Mike Vrabel, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like, you know, and he's like he's taken uh, um, Belichick down in his own game a couple of times. So I think he's a smart coach. I think he's the kind of guy to say, let's not just do what we do. Let's take away what they do or, and, and have a good plan. So they could limit Adams, but I'm going to take the over anyway. Um, number five, how many times will Green Bay punt? Oh, this was it was a freaking disaster this past time. I don't got if they if they're going to punt. Six times again. I, I I can't imagine them winning, um, but I I think they're gonna you know be a little more challenged. I'm gonna put a three and a half. Three and a half. All right. I'm gonna take the over. That one. I don't know if my answers are now all gelling together. Uh, number six. What is uh, Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating going to be? Mm, you know he he he's a pretty good player. Uh, again, I think he's a great player, uh, but you know he's a guy that I don't think that you're embarrassed to to have. I mean you know he's he's Halfway decent. Um, and against this Packer defense, 
they're they're better against the pass than the run. Of course, they're going to be stacking up to stop the run. Um, I'm going to put Tannehill at 97. All right, I'm going to take the over on this. I think this could be a a, a pretty highly offensive game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will be <laughs> offensive in uh, in the lots of offense. Um, number seven, who will have more tackles, Barnes, Kirksey, or Martin? Hmm. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I'm all in the tank for Barnes. I'm, I'm going to go Barnes. All right. I'm going to say uh, I'll say Kirksey. Not a bad guess. I mean, he he's he, one of those guys. You know, Blake Martinez. He's out there in the middle of the field. He's he's tackling guys. Uh, yeah. He just you know. I mean, so he probably will get the tackles, but they're, they're going to be, you know, not powerful, impactful plays. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's his game. Yeah. I don't think Patton, I think Patton's going to stick with a guy that he feels has the experience. So I think Kirksey's going to see the, the field a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now seven and a half, what quarter will they show Matt LaFleur as a Tennessee Titan coach? Oh, Oh, that's a good one. He was there one year. Hmm. Um, I think they could do it first quarter. First quarter. All right. I will say I'll say the second quarter just to be different. Um, seven three fours. Will a Packers backup quarterback play at mm. any snap, mm. including the kneel down at the end? Perhaps. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say yes. Okay, I'm gonna say yes too. And here's extra credit. Mike can decide whether he wants to. Will Jordan Love be active? He wasn't this past week. Um, oh, I don't think he's been active all year, has he? Um, I'm not sure about that, but I noticed when they showed him this week, he was in his soft clothes. Yeah. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I, I think he probably will be the last game, but I don't think this week he, he will be. So the, the only reason I throw it out there is this, again, if they know that, uh, say they've, they've got a really good chance or, uh, say Seattle's lost already. And I oh. guess, can they, you know, could they, could they have Jordan love in there or be ready in case, you know, they're up a lot or down a lot and, for whatever reason, will he be active? I don't think so. I don't think they're I think this is going to be a complete red shirt season for him. But yeah, right. Yeah. You know, this week, but next week too could be. I mean, can you imagine Jordan Love coming in against the Bears, and uh, we see him for the first time to see what in the world he looks like? And um, yeah, it's I mean, so interesting. If like, oh number? my gosh, he's great. His number is? I mean, it, it, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I, don't, I, I I I would love to see that happen. I'd love to beat Tennessee. The game against Chicago, Tim Boyle is going to start, but we're going to see some Jordan Love. That would make the last game of this year super A lot more interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yep. And then the tiebreaker uh, total points for Green Bay. Mm. Well, um, <laughs> see, I would have guessed they would have been over 30 this past week. Um, and they might have to be over 30 if they're going to be competitive this week. Uh, let me put that at uh, – uh, do I have to – and this isn't a line. I'm, I'm just, I'm just taking a guess, right? Take a guess. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm going to 29. 29. I said 32. Okay. All right. So that's your betting lines against Tennessee. Uh, Mike is, Mike's pretty uh, neat. So, you know, if you win this week, you're probably going to get a, a room at the Packers therapy hotel and casino. That's probably a lot more put together, less germs, less, you know, Mike's a pretty straight-up guy. So I think, you know, you want to win this week. So go ahead and play the betting lines. And the way to do that is to send this week's winner, who will have to come back in time to tabulate the, the scores here for this game. 
<laughs> send him an email to his email address, which is mintnomiller at gmail.com. That is L-I-T-N-O-M-I-L-L-E-R at gmail.com. Mike probably cooked the books to win the game, <laughs> but that's okay. He's Mike Miller. Yeah. Okay, Mike. Um, I understand you do hard work. You deserve to win once in a while because, Mike, you are a winner, my friend. Yes. Just don't leave all those spreadsheets laying around the suite at uh, Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino. That's not the kind of thing other people want to see, especially when they're sticking together. Okay? <laughs> all right. Mike likes his spreadsheets. That's all I'm saying. That's all That's I'm it. saying. He does. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, play, play the betting lines. You can be among the elite uh, three dozen that uh, do this every week. We have a good time with it. Uh, the winner gets to go to one of the fabulous Packers Therapy Hotels and Casinos, which is something you want to do during a pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in light of uh, pop culture, I just got a, uh, a text that uh, Kevin Green has passed away. Have what? You heard this? Like the former that, Packer uh, coach? Unless Kevin? this is from The Onion or something, although the headline's not very funny. Past rushing great Hall of Famer Kevin Green died, dead at 58. I, I haven't read the article. It just got texted to me. Oh, my so. God. So that's terrible that's, news. Yeah, that is. I mean, he, uh, he made that defense cool. I mean, there was, that defense was cool. You had Matthews, you had Woodson, and then oh, Kevin man. Green on the sidelines telling you it is time. That, that is will time, always yeah. go down. As such a cool was, highlight for me. That was a great moment in, in Packer history. Um, and I, I actually think that they were diminished after he left them. Yeah. I've never really been sure what the circumstances were there. But that, that's a terrible story. A man 58 years old, um, uh, that's horrible. And um, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry, you wonder with all the COVID stuff. You wonder. If, well, yeah, you know, you know, and of course there's car accidents and all that other kind of stuff. But yeah, that's a that's a horrible story. So so thanks for being a buzzkill, Dave. We really appreciate that for yeah. I wanted to the podcast down. Well, as already, Mike Miller had won the you know the betting line. Well, so we're already... right there. You know, the corruption was already at that yeah. point it was already so. there. So this just sort of lets people know that the world's a horrible place. So thanks for sharing <laughs> that with that news about uh, about Kevin Green. But he did bring joy into our life when he played for Carolina, which, you know, is, is fitting. We just played Carolina. When he played Carolina, he was uh, a tough opponent. But when he was with a, a coach, uh, he was uh, – it was cool. He, was, he made the, the defense really interesting and cool to uh, – I think he did a lot for, for Clay Matthews, I would imagine. Oh, I think he did. And did he also play for Pittsburgh? I want to say he – Yeah. He started That's out right. with, yeah, with, with That's Pittsburgh. That's right. He was with and, that Lloyd Green – was it Lloyd? Or Kevin Lloyd? I was Lloyd Green. Um, who's the guy that uh, made uh, Brett Favre throw up on the field and he came right back out and threw oh, a touchdown? Oh, right, right. I, I thought it was Greg Lloyd. Oh, Greg Lloyd, maybe. That's right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. That's, yeah. And I want to was, – was Kevin Green also uh, – did Reggie White play for Carolina with, with, when Kevin Green was still there? That's a good question. Were, I don't, were they contemporaries? I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's good then. It's hard to remember because Reggie's been boy. When did Reggie pass away? That was early two thousands, I think. Correct. More more things that I wish I could ask Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I because I, I think that they may have been uh, on the same defense in Carolina, but may, maybe I'm wrong on that. I think they would have been pretty close to age contemporaries. Um, anyway, 
sad story. He was a, I think he made a difference for the Packers, and he certainly was a great player uh, back in the day. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, got a couple of things we want to wrap up on. Of course, we have got pop culture, and I'll try to get through the email quickly because I know your headset is uh, giving you a, a warning. Um, so, yes, iChuck in touch with us. We had a good exchange with iChuck this week. Of course, the inventor of the iPhone. So, uh, great friend of the podcast, uh, telling us about his plans in Paris. It's where he is posting his right now for Apple. And uh, you also got some good intel from him that maybe you can use on the job. Well yeah, done, I've my friend. I've already made a thousand trades as a result. <laughs> <laughs> well done, my friend. Uh, so, Chuck, uh, all kidding aside, it was good to hear from you. I appreciate the good well wishes uh, from the Freemans uh, regarding uh, my surgery. Um, Sean Scanlon, I thought, had a really good email. Um, he said, hey, guys, I think the team got a hold of Crosby's stash during halftime, but Crosby had a clutch kick at least. The Rodgers TDs to punt ratio narrative being pushed before and during the game pretty much guaranteed it would get obliterated with a solid 1-6 ratio. Also, anyone else yell at the TV when Zadarius decided it was a good idea to do the crawling sack celebration yeah. when it was obvious the Panthers were going to hurry up at the end of the game. But hey, yeah. large yeah, He's your veteran leader yeah, too, I, that's, right? That was a disappointing display. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he says, large Robert gets another TD and the Packers win, so he can't complain too much. Sean, thank you, my friend, Mr. Scanlon. Uh, and I forget where you're located. Please remind me the next time you write. And we appreciate that email. Somebody else, and I forget who it was now, sent a screenshot. Um, I don't know. <laughs> did uh, who, who was it that sent that? It was about Crosby's 51-yarder, uh, which, by the way, in those conditions, just just freaking nails, and the quote that <laughs> that it was uh, had, Edward, uh, it's Sir Edward Reese Thomas. Oh yes, yes, that was that was right. That was it, it was Sir Ed. Uh, was can I read this to you real quick? Please, please do. It was it was it was brilliant. Yes, this is from PackersNews.com. The Packers can feel good about one thing. As they close in on the money portion of their season, the clutch kicking of 36-year-old Mason Crosby in back-to-back weeks. Now he's hit tough kicks in the final minutes. Last week it was a 57-yarder at Ford Field, and this was against a 51-yarder that put them up 11. And the quote that Crosby said is obviously high. Crosby <laughs> said of his, and then it gets cut off. So I don't, there must be the question like, how are you feeling after that kick? Obviously high. Which we've known for 10 years. <laughs> exactly right. And we appreciate, we appreciate Sir Ed for, uh, <laughs> for, Putting that together for us, you know, I had read that before and I missed it entirely. So we appreciate uh, that from our friend uh, Sir Ed put, pointing that out to us that we were right about the guy all along. Obviously yeah. high, and that explains 16 for 16, I guess. So do whatever you got to do, Mason. Uh, I'm right there with you right now on the pain meds. So if it works for you, it's going to work for me as well. How did you do the podcast this week, Chris? Obviously high. Obviously high. <laughs> yeah, but people re- can't even tell the difference because no, no, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, pop culture. Uh, I've got one, but maybe you want to go first. Uh, the only one I picked up this week, which I'm really enjoying, is uh, have you watched Broadchurch? Yes, yes. I I love that show. Uh, David, I Tennant. really am liking yeah. it too. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know when people say I'm watching you, you do this I'm watching a British show I'm watching a Swedish show I'm watching this Australian 
I always feel like, oh, come on. Like, that's so, but this is a, this is a British show. It's a, it's a whodunit. And uh, it's got, you know, it, wait, is it, or is it, uh, is it UK or is it, Ireland? I can't think. No, it's, it's, it's British. Yeah. It is British. Okay. Um, it, uh, but it's, it's very good. And I had the benefit of being able to watch with subtitles with being on it's Netflix. Olivia Coleman, right. And David Tennant, I think are the, are the I, private eye, not private eye. They're the, uh, detective constable inspector, like Andy Mundy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, and I know they did an American version of it called Grace Point, which, uh, I remember thinking was fine. Um, but, and then what I've been doing lately, I, I got a randomizer on my phone. Did I tell you about this already? No. Where I set didn't. up, where I, I put in Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO. I put in all my streaming services because I can't pick. You can't pick? Uh, oh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you still hear me? I can. The uh, headphone just... <laughs> oh, so now you're on my computer right. speaker. Okay. See if this keeps going. Oh, I'll, I'll be quick then. Um, it uh, The first season I thought, when I saw the American version, I thought was just fine. But the second season, I'm about more than halfway through the UK version. And it's really good. I, if you want to whodunit for, to spinge over the Christmas break, uh, I... That's Broadchurch on Netflix is is really good. It is. It's outstanding. I saw it a, a couple of years ago, and I I, I love those those uh, British and Scandinavian noir uh, programs. And David Tennant and Olivia Coleman are are two really superb uh, actors, and they do great work in this show. So I also highly recommend that one as well. And it's perfect to binge this this time of the year also. Um, I am. I'll mention I've been catching up on Billions because you know I've been I've been laying around a lot uh, recently since since last Wednesday's events. Uh, so I've almost finished um, the um, most recent season, which I guess was only a half season of Billions. Um, I have to say that the writing in this particular season, not in terms just of the writing, is the normal writing they always do on that show, but the things that they're talking about. Um, in terms of family dynamic and the impact that family and relationships have on each other, um, genuineness, honesty, all of these kinds of, of issues that they are playing out um, in this season um, are really powerful things. And I think it's easy to lose it because the show is so cocky in, in how it's portrayed and in the, in the world that's being portrayed you can lose sometimes the substance of what they are talking about and how they're using the legal and financial world uh, as a vehicle to talk about some really important issues. Um, it got to the point where a couple of these, I wanted to say, you know, I want to break this down and show these clips to my team at work because there's some really good ethical and moral things that are that are being played out here. Uh, so I I can't. Uh, recommend Billions enough. I mean, if you're going to watch Billions, you got to do Succession, too, um, for what it's got to say about wealth and money and how that impacts society. And it does it in a in a fun uh, spoonful of sugar kind of way. <laughs> it makes the medicine go down. Uh, but what I, what I really want to talk about um, is an offbeat, um, some offbeat music. And not that the music itself um, is unusual. It's actually pretty straight down the line. But the group 
is not well known, and you have to go to Bandcamp uh, to find them. Uh, the group is called Tigers on Trains. Uh, Tigers on Trains does have one of their albums available on Apple Music. The majority of their stuff, though, is on Bandcamp. And if you like um, stuff done by uh, Manchester Orchestra, uh, which I think is a little more popular. Um, if you like that style and that genre um, of popular music, I recommend Tigers on Trains. You can find them on Bandcamp. And also there's one album that's available, Apple Music. So I would, um, I would definitely suggest checking that out. Nobody famous in it. Um, just some stuff that I stumbled across that I listened and oh that's good and listen that oh hey that one's good too and the next and pretty soon I found myself saying you know I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this this is really something I didn't expect and it's really quite good so if you want to check out some music during the you know Christmas break uh, Tigers on Trains on Bandcamp. I'm just waiting for you to say something about Pagliaracci here it's to finish out the joke <laughs> <laughs> that somehow. I, You're going to you know, finish the punchline here with a, oh, you know, I one was, of those week-long jokes that people will do from time to time. But I, I, I want to say I got confirmation um, from some of our listeners um, that the problem uh, was not me. The problem, <laughs> the problem me. was you. In fact, it comes from you know Tom Freeman, um, a man uh, who you know is a professional. Uh, a, a, I think a giant in the law in the United States. Um, I think I think that goes without without saying. Because nothing's funnier than a than a successful lawyer. Well, I mean, I, the ideas of dignity and intelligence I know are lost upon you. Uh, <laughs> but Tom, uh, Tom, Tom has my back on this one, and really, that's all that matters to me. Well, I guess if it was Judy, it might matter a little more. But still, Tom, not bad. So thank you for you know. For supporting me on that, and also for your uh, kind words about the about the hip surgery I just had. So thank you, sir, for that. Uh, but Pagliaracci, Pe- uh, we'll we'll come back to that. Uh, I think this is important that we revisit that in the future because it was brilliant, and uh, so we will definitely come come back. Uh, you you do. That. You need to break it down for me, Chris. I, yeah, yeah. I I got confirmation as well, and that most people that heard you tell that joke, they kind of said, "Is that it?" as there's silence on the podcast. So um, maybe we're just hanging around different crowds. That's Yeah, I, the crowd I hang around with is erudite, uh, intelligent, um, really on the leading edge of existential humor. And then there's your people like fart jokes. So, yeah. <laughs> I love fart jokes. Well, I do too, but that's beside the point here. Uh, what else we got? No, I think that, that's probably it. Is there anything else, Dave, that we've left uh, on the table? It's it's Hold Christmas on. coming on here, you know. And let me look at my list: Packers, okay. Tigers, fart jokes. Yeah, we're at the bottom. <laughs> we <eat> it all. <laughs> Packers have the Titans Sunday night. Packers play. They play Sunday night this week. Play Sunday night next week. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Packers um, this week. This is a good team. This is a playoff team. This is a team that is strong where they traditionally have not been strong. Um, I think we will learn a good deal about about the Packers uh, following this game. Um, so it's going to be – it's always of interest, of course, but I think a special interest uh, this time around. So Dave and I are going to be watching on Sunday night, and we'll probably be around a week or so from now to have more uh, Packers therapy for you. 
But until that time, I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that is Packers Therapy. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers Therapy.